Good morning. Ooh, that was effervescent. Who was that? That was Jimmy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Got some energy. All right. Must be that bumper video, the bright, colorful video that we have at the beginning. I'm so glad that you have joined us today. Today sparks kind of a new beginning for us as we're starting a brand new teaching series. Um, but we are in a transition period anyway right now. This is the back-to-school season. Everybody starts landing. Public school started last week. And I think North Hills, you know, some private schools start this week. And homeschoolers, you just start whenever you want. <laughs> okay? So, but this is, this is a season of, of transition. And I love this as fun as the summer is. As fun as it is, I am a creature of routine. So when everybody goes back to school and I can get back into my normal rhythms and things settle down, I just love this time of year. Fall. It's going to be, no, it's going to be cool. The leaves are going to change soon and it's going to get cool and I'm going to be able to wear a jacket again without getting harassed by people at Lowe's. Okay. But uh, <laughs> no, fall's coming. I love this time of year and it's a great time to start something new. And so... I do, by the way, we've had a great summer. We, we had summer stories, and we heard from tons of people in our church and got to hear their testimonies. And uh, before that, we had several of our uh, elders preach over several weeks. So I haven't, I just, I looked at Jess this week. I was like, i got to remember how to preach. <laughs> I don't know. It's been, I'm going to have to shake some rust off today. But I was excited to get back into the rhythm of preparing and then um, teaching this week. We're starting, as Jess mentioned, a study in the book of Galatians. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. We're starting at the beginning. So you can go to chapter 1 of Galatians. Um, but this is going to be a fantastic series, and we're going to do in this series what we've done with other books of the Bible, and that's that we're going to teach through it on Sunday. But then during the week, our groups are going to be meeting, and most of them are going to be doing a study guide based on the sermon. So we will learn together on Sunday, and then when you get to your group, if it's doing a sermon-based study, we will be applying and discussing and interacting about what you learned. It's a really awesome thing. We've done, um, we've done the book of John this way. We've done James this way. We just finished doing Romans for a long time this way, all of last fall and this spring doing Romans and now we're going to start into Galatians. And we do have other groups available, by the way. We have some groups that are going to be doing other Bible studies, some groups that are going to be doing some activities together. So there's a variety of things. But the core of the groups will be doing the sermon-based study. And those signups will be coming in a couple of weeks. But we're going to be getting into Galatians. And it is an incredibly important piece of Scripture. Um, it is sometimes called a mini-Romans. Um, it is so packed full of good stuff, kind of like fruit. <laughs> vitamins and nutrients, all the things that you need. Galatians is, is unbelievable. In fact, um, uh, uh, Martin Luther, who's the father of the Protestant Reformation, the split off of the Catholic Church, he said, uh, this is my epistle. An epistle is a letter. He said, this is my epistle. I am wedded to it. He said, I am married to this thing. It is so important. When, um, when uh, uh, Wesley was going across uh, England on his great, uh, great, uh, revival tour and and evangelizing the nation of uh, the country of England he preached from the gospel uh he, or he not gospel from the letter to the Galatians that's what he preached on and J Vernon McGee said this in a sense I believe this epistle has been the backbone and background for every great spiritual movement and revival that has taken place in the past 1900 years 
It is that important. It is transformative, this letter. And so my question for you before we get going is, are you prepared for that? Personally, is that what you want? Do you want to see a transformation happen in your life and in your faith? Do you want this fall? Do you want to grow closer and closer to God, understanding him and what his desire is for you, closer and closer than you have ever been before? That will be up to you and whether that happens. Because the truth is here. The letter to the Galatians is so jam-packed. It's not a matter of whether the, the, the truth will be there. It's a matter of what we are going to do with it and how open we are going to be to it. Am I going to be willing to set aside all of my assumptions and all of my traditions and all of my teachings through the years and listen to what the word actually has to say to me over the next few months? Am I willing to open myself up that much to it? And it's like anything, what you get out of this will come down to what you put into it how open you are to it. So I want to encourage you over the next few months to embrace this fully, to not only be listening to what we say during the services, but also to be in groups that are discussing these kinds of things. I want to encourage you to be reading through the book of Galatians on your own in the mornings, to be opening up. Maybe it's just the scripture that we covered on Sunday, to be to be sitting in it, to be absorbing in it, to be asking questions, to go and do your own research, check up on me, make sure what I'm saying is correct. Like, take it and make this yours, where you could say maybe the same thing Luther said, this is my epistle, this is, this is for me, and I am married to it. But that's going to be up to you and the commitment that you make over the next few months. It is going to be incredibly impactful. So here's what we're going to do today. We are just going to set the stage. We're going to go through a few verses here at the beginning. We're going to get a better understanding of who wrote this, who they're writing to, and why they wrote it. Just kind of setting the stage for the book of Galatians. So here we go. You ready? We good? All right, let's do it. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. This letter, Galatians, is written by Paul. That is really clear. And then he reiterates that later in the letter as well. There are some letters that we have where the authorship is, is somewhat in question. For example, the book of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. But Galatians, we know, is Paul. Okay, Paul wrote this, and Paul feels it's important right out of the gate in this letter to say Paul an apostle. Now, an apostle is someone who is commissioned by Jesus to take his message. And we often will use the, uh, the kind of delineation, because you can have people that are commissioned by Jesus to take his message. But we would use the, the sort of the grammar or whatever, capital A apostle and lowercase apostle, okay? Paul was a capital A apostle, an A apostle. And those are people that were with Jesus, saw his resurrection. You think of the disciples became apostles, Peter and John and Matthew, okay? And they were commissioned to go out. And all of them were with Jesus in his earthly ministry except for one, Paul. But Paul also had a face-to-face -face interaction with the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus and was commissioned to go and take the gospel. And so Paul is an apostle on par with Peter and James and John. But he's different than the other ones. 
But because he was different than the other ones, that often came into question. People would say, oh, well, Paul, he's not really an apostle. But he was. And he makes the argument, he says, I'm an apostle, not from man, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So he's asserting his authority and his ability to teach and to say what he's about to say. And what we're going to find out is that people had come in and had been questioning his authority with these, with these folks. And said, yeah, I mean, yeah, but he's an apostle, but not, like, not really an apostle. So he has to assert that right out of the gate. Um, all right, verse 2. It's not just him. He says, Paul, an apostle, and all the brethren who are with me. So he's, he, he's standing on the authority not only of himself and what Jesus has told him to do, but also all the people that, that are brethren that are with him, to the churches of Galatia. So that's who this letter is written to. It's why it's called Galatians. Galatia was a region. We're going to talk about this region a little bit so we can understand the people that he's talking to. Galatia was a province of the Roman Empire. And there's a little bit of debate over whether he is writing to the churches of southern Galatia or northern Galatia. Those are two different regions. Um, I tend to think it's southern, but the, for those of you, that would be the cities of uh, Derby, Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia. Um, but if you're like a history nerd, a history buff, and you want to look into it, there's all kinds of research on both sides. People really spend a lot of time on it. And so that might be an interesting thing for you to look into and come to your own conclusion on where you think he was writing to. Um, I will say, you know, not to dismiss it, but like I don't think it matters uh, in this case because he is writing to regions of churches and uh, what he's saying to them is generally applicable for them. I tend to think it's in the South and that Paul has written this right after his first missionary journey. Okay, on his first, he, we record three missionary journeys are recorded in Scripture for Paul. In his first one, he went through southern Galatia. He went through southern Galatia, he went through these cities, and he established the churches there. And the reason that, that we generally think that this was written in 49 A.D., is that in, he had just finished that missionary journey and returned to Antioch of Syria, two different Antiochs. I know, it can get confusing. Um, but that, by the way, and I always try to make a point of this, this is one of the things that adds credibility to the scripture, in my opinion, is the fact there are multiple places named the same thing and multiple people named the same thing. If you were making things up, you wouldn't do that. It's confusing. So, so um, Antioch of Pisidia is in southern Galatia. Paul is at home base, which is Antioch of Syria, and he's just finished his missionary journey, the first one. But the reason we can be pretty confident he wrote it in 49 is that in 50, something really significant happened called the Jerusalem Council. It's where Paul went to Jerusalem and they settled this issue of the Gentiles and what they had to do or didn't have to do in order to be a part of the church. And if he had, given what he writes in the book of Galatians, if it had happened, been written after 50, he almost certainly would have brought up the, the, the Council of Jerusalem. It would have, he would have stood on the authority of Peter and the others in order to make his point. And so it's most likely this was written between his, the end of his first journey and the Jerusalem Council, which would put it in 49 AD. Um, and one of the things that makes that so significant is that if that date is correct, then this is the first letter we have from Paul. This is the first one. This is him laying it out from the outset, what the gospel is and how they should think about it. All right, so let's keep going. Verse 3, grace to you, that's a traditional Greek greeting, 
and peace from God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. A traditional Jewish greeting. So he's catching all of them together. Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He starts with such a beautiful and simple presentation of what God's will is for you. It's two things, and it's very simple. God's will is to save you from your sins through Jesus Christ. And his will is to save you from the world. Not out from the presence of sin, but from the power of sin in your life. Those are the two things that God wants from you. He wants to save you from your sins by faith in Jesus Christ. And he wants to save you out of the world and the power of sin in your life. And he sets it off with just those two simple little things. And then normally, if you look at his other letters, what he would say next is something like, I'm so thankful for you. I remember you often in my prayers. I've heard of your commitment to the gospel and the good news. He starts with some, some phrase of thanksgiving. All of his other letters, all of them. Except this one. <laughs> there is no such pleasantry at the beginning of the letter to the Galatians. He doesn't say anything like that at all. Now, why, why does he not start that way? Well, one theory is maybe it's just because this is his first letter. And he hasn't developed that format yet. You know, it might be that he wrote this letter and then Barnabas read it and he was like, yo, Paul, you got to chill, man. <laughs> like, you got you to start with like, yeah, you, you went too hard, too fast, man. You got you to gotta, gotta ease into this thing a little bit, okay? Spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, right? That's the next show here, by the way. So at some point, we're going to have a Mary Poppins set on stage. But he's like, yeah, you know, you got to do the sandwich, man, like, you know the sandwich, right? You start with something good. You start with one piece of bread. And you're like, oh, you're doing such a great job. I'm so thankful for you. And then you talk about what you really want to talk about. And then you finish with another piece of bread. And you're like, oh, but you're so great. And you're doing a great job. And keep it up. That's the sandwich, okay? So maybe someone came to Paul and they were like, hey, you got to, you know, slap some bread on this thing. <laughs> and so after that, he figured it out. That's possible. It's possible. Um, the other option as to why he doesn't have the pleasantry or why he doesn't say how thankful he is for them might be because he's not. <laughs> you know, it might be, might be because he's mad. <laughs> and that's the tone that you get at the beginning of this letter. He's very upset with them. And so maybe it's just there's no time for small talk. You know, I established my authority. I established the foundation of what God wants for you. And now let's get down to business because we need to get down to business. He had just been there maybe six months before, and they are already way off the rails. And so he writes this letter back to them to help pull them back to the truth, the foundation of what they need to believe and how they need to live. And so let's talk about the people that are here that he's, that he's writing to and why this might be the case. Okay, the people that live in this area, it's Galatia. And that's because the people that live there are descendants of the Celtic Gauls. Okay? The Celtic Gauls were a society or a culture that lived on essentially the border between France and Germany. You think of Celtic culture. It pushed west 
into Ireland, and you, know, you, you think about that. Think about things like Stonehenge and all of all came out of that culture. All right, but they also uh, migrated to the east. They came through um, Italy and actually sacked Rome in 500 BC. But they kept on going. They proceeded through Greece over to the other side of the sea, ended up in this area, thought it was nice, and they ended up staying. They spent some time essentially as mercenaries for another country, but ultimately they landed here. And it was strange because these were people who were living in, you know, kind of Turkey, the, you know, Western Asia, that, that area. And, but they had blonde hair and it was, it was so strange. They were such an oddity in, the, in that area of the world. And they were people, because they were nomadic and had been for so long, they were a people that were very transient. They would change. They would move. They would, this, this is, in fact, this is, eventually Rome overtakes them and they become a province of Rome. This is what Julius Caesar said about the Gauls. And that's what this area is called, Gaul-Asia. Okay, that's where it comes from. So this is what uh, Julius Caesar said about them. The infirmity of the Gauls is that they are fickle in their resolves, fond of change, and not to be trusted. (laughs) That's what he said about them. Fickle in their resolves, fond of change, and not to be trusted. They were people that would change from one moment to the next. We actually see this happen in Scripture because Paul, when he goes to Galatia, he shows up and starts doing miracles in their midst, and they want to make him a god. Everybody in town comes and they think that he was sent from the gods. And so they're all coming to him and they're wanting to offer him um, offerings and sacrifices. And they're, I mean, they're like, they're ready to basically make him their God in that area. And then that night he goes to bed and he's, he's pushing them off and saying, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. He goes to bed that night while he's sleeping. Enemies of his come into town, start spreading rumors and and lies about him, saying he's not a God. And by the time he wakes up the next morning, they drag him out of the house into the street and stone him and leave him for dead. They thought he was dead, but he wasn't. (laughs) That's how fickle they are. That's That's how quickly their mentality would change. And so Paul was there on his missionary journey, and he told them the truth. And then six months after he gets back home, he realizes that they have gone way off the rails because they are not grounded and secure and stable in the truth. And so the purpose of the book of Galatians is to help a believer be grounded and stable and secure in the truth. To know the facts, to put our faith in it, and to see the fruit that happens. Facts, faith, and fruit. And that's the process we're going to walk through in the book of Galatians. They had gone so far. All right, so let's keep going and we're going to see exactly what happened. Galatians 1, verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon. Like, I can't, I was just there. <laughs> what is wrong with you people? All right, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So I can't believe you let this happen. You're believing another gospel. It's not, it's not another gospel, but it's another gospel. Here's what happened. 
people came in behind Jesus that or behind Paul that would ultimately we would categorize them as Judaizers. That title doesn't come till later, but but they came into town behind Paul, right on his heels. And Paul had taught them the gospel, the good news, that God loved you, even though you are sinful. And Christ gave his life, the Son of God gave his life on the cross to pay for your sin. And he rose again on the third day. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, you will be saved. And that's all that's required, is faith in Jesus to save you and be justified before God. That's it. But people came in behind Paul, and they said, now listen, I mean, yeah, he's right. He's not even really an apostle, but yeah, he's right, but he's only giving you part of the story. He's not telling you the whole story. Because yes, you have to have faith in Jesus, but you also then have to follow the law and become a Jew. So they, they didn't take away from what he said, but they added to what he said. And they're telling these, these Gentile believers, these non-Jewish believers, that they have to, you know, get circumcised. Right? They, have to, they have to follow all the Old Testament law in order to become a Jew. They were adding to it and saying, yeah, yeah, faith is not enough. You have to have faith, but then you also have to do this. And then if you're going to please God and continue to please God, then you have to follow all of, these, all of the Old Testament law to a T. That's what they were teaching. And Paul was like, how could you fall for this so fast? That they came in and they distorted the truth of Christ. Because that message that it's faith in Jesus plus anything else is a lie. It's not true. It is faith and faith alone. Faith and faith alone. So they were being told other than that. It's a distortion. It's not a denial of the gospel. It's an addition to it. They were saying that faith is necessary for salvation, but faith is not enough for salvation. And that's not true. Does this happen today? You bet it does. You bet it does. All over the place, People who are Christians saying, yeah, yeah, you have to have faith in Jesus Christ, but it's also this other thing. You have to have faith and do this thing. Before the gospel, it, might, it actually might come before the gospel. Like, like well, people will say, yeah, you have to have faith in Jesus Christ, but before that, you have to do this. Before you put your faith in Jesus for salvation, you got to get this right in your life. you got to get this fixed. You need to change this about your situation. And not until, once you fix that, once you get that squared away, then you can put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. No. No. It can also happen after. It can be, yes, come to Jesus as you are, but you have to put your faith in him and then do this other thing in order to be saved. Could be a lot of different things. It could be something as simple as, yes, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, but you also have to come down, you also have to raise your hand. You didn't raise your hand, it's not valid. Or you have to come down front to the altar. And if you don't come down front to the altar, altar, it didn't count. Or it could be something tangible. Like, yes, you put your faith in Jesus for salvation, but then you also have to be baptized. There are faiths that believe you have to be baptized physically in order to be saved. It's not true. It's not in the scripture. Faith alone. There, there, it might be, yes, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, but then you also have to change this or that or this other thing about your life. And if you don't change this or that or that other thing about your life, then you must not have put your faith in Jesus for salvation. No, 
It is faith and faith alone that justifies us before God. That's it. So you'll see that all over the place. And when you see that, don't fall for it. Don't bite. Don't buy it. Don't turn away from the gospel like they did here in Galatia. It is the, simp- the gospel is simple and clear. When Jesus was explaining to Nicodemus in a secret meeting in John chapter 3, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I do not believe Jesus omitted a single thing when he said that. That's it. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We have to put our belief in him. It doesn't say whoever believes and is baptized. He didn't say that. It doesn't say whoever believes and is circumcised. Didn't say that. Didn't say whoever believes and then observes the Sabbath has everlasting life. Didn't say whoever believes and then gives 10% of their income to the church, tithes, that they have everlasting life. He didn't say whoever believes and stops sinning has eternal life. He didn't say that. Because it's as simple as belief. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, wouldn't be doing most of those things be good? Sure. Yeah, those are good things. Absolutely. But those are results of salvation. Not the recipe for it. And so we have to keep that very, very, very clear. When um, Paul was in Philippi, and they got, he they got thrown into prison. And overnight, there was a great earthquake, and the, the doors of the jail were jarred open. And the, the jailer, the Philippian jailer, when he realized that the doors were open, assumed that all the prisoners had, ex- had escaped, which would be a death sentence for him. And so he took out his sword to take his own life. And Paul, who was still in the cell, stopped him. And he shared the gospel with him. He shared the good news. And this is what he said to him, Acts chapter 16, verse 31 and 32. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his household. So his household wasn't saved by his faith. But they could be saved in the same way he was, which was by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they were baptized, and (laughs) the story goes from there. But it is belief. The gospel is the foundation on which our life of faith is built. And And if a foundation is built even one degree off level, it is going to create problems the higher and higher you build. And the higher you build, the bigger problem you end up with. So a little thing like, oh, well, is it a big deal if we say that they have to put their faith in Jesus and then they have to do this thing? Is it a big deal if we tie those together? Because aren't those, isn't that second thing a good thing? The problem is that's one degree off level. Or it might be 10 degrees off level. And the more you run with that idea and the further you go with that idea, what you end up in is legalism. Full-blown legalism where it's about behavior instead of faith. And that's the path that they are headed down. The little things, even if it doesn't seem big, the little things matter. I was um, uh, this week 
in my normal rhythm, and, and normally I go to Coco Java on Thursday morning to finalize the message and write it. It's a, it's a great time. And by the way, I'm in a zone when I'm there, but if you show up and want to talk, that's cool. You're not bothering me, okay? I have people all the time like, I don't want to bother you. But <laughs> you're not. It's cool. That's why I'm there. <laughs> if I wanted privacy, I would be somewhere else. But, um, but I, I finished up there, and it was kind of early, but I wanted to get lunch, so I went to Yummy Bon Mi, which is one of my favorite places behind Tokyo Express. And uh, it was kind of rainy. I needed a big bowl of soup. So um, went, to, went to Yummy. And <laughs> it's a mood thing. I'm sorry. And so I went to Yummy. And I was right there, right when the doors opened at 11 o'clock. And so I went in and I ordered um, my, my food. And I sat down. And they were just still kind of getting open for the day. And the manager, they, they own, uh, they own uh, Tokyo Express now, too. So he was coming through the, the dining room to go over to Tokyo Express. And he stopped in the middle of the the dining room, and he looked over at the girl behind the register, and he said, turn the music down one notch. And then he turned, and he walked out. And then she turned the music down one notch, and I was like, oh, that's perfect. I was like, I love this guy. <laughs> this is fantastic. This is how my brain works, you know? Like, the little things matter. You may not even notice them, or they may not be noticeable, but at some point, they become noticeable. And that, that's a little thing. I would argue that adding anything to salvation is a huge thing. And if you add something to salvation, if you, you distort the gospel, as Paul says, you set yourself down a path that will not lead you to the life and the fruit and the love and the fullness that God has created for you. And so he starts off with challenging them on how quickly they've allowed this to happen. And... Uh, he does not want that to be shaken at all. All right, verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven, a messenger from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. I love this. Paul's like, even if I change my mind and I come back to you later and I try to tell you something differently, don't listen to me. <laughs> don't listen. If an angel from heaven, if a messenger from God comes to you, and tells you something different. Don't listen to them. We can easily be deceived. That's how foundational and how, and obviously he's exaggerating, right? Doesn't expect that is going to happen, but he's exaggerating. The point is, this is the truth. This is the truth, and we have to hang our hat and our life and our faith on it. That we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing. Faith in Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ alone. Now, God has all kinds of things he wants to do with us in our life. Things he wants us to change, things he wants us to do, things he wants us to not do, things he wants us to chase and pursue and things that he wants us to leave so that we can be transformed into the image of Jesus. And he's going to get to all of that as he goes through the book of Galatians. But at the outset, the most important thing for us to know is that we are saved by faith and faith alone. And because we are saved by faith and not by any of our works, lest anyone should boast, as he says in Ephesians, since we are saved by faith and not by works, we can be confident and sure of that salvation. Amen. 
and not let anybody else point to our life and say, yeah, well, what about that? Are you sure? Are you sure because you didn't do this? Or are you sure because you still do this? Are you sure because there's this thing that has been added that was never supposed to be added? It is faith, and it is faith alone. And that kind of faith creates a level foundation for us on which to build our life in faithfulness. So what we're going to do in the series, we're going to make sure that, that, that those facts are firm. We're going to talk about how you build a life of faith on top of that foundation. And we're going to talk about the fruit, the produce that you see as a result of building on that foundation of faith. What you're going to find, what you'll see as, you, as we read through this, whether that's here in services or reading through Galatians on your own or in your studying groups, you're going to see that this is a deeply emotional letter for Paul. He is, is he mad? It's, yeah. Heartbroken might be a better word. He had just poured his life out to them poured the gospel out to them, such good news, and then some creeps come in behind him and take it and they twist it and they distort it. And now these people are confused and they're, they're, they, they don't know what's true and now they're being told they have to do other stuff and, and everything's being complicated when it's not that complicated. And he loves them deeply, despite the fact that he may not have had the pleasantries at the beginning. You'll see this as you read. This is deeply emotional for Paul. He wants so desperately for the people that he ministers to to experience and see the love and the freedom that he has experienced. Part of the reason that God picked Paul, Jesus handpicked Paul of everyone else he could have stopped on the road and turned into an apostle. Any, everyone else he could have blessed with the gospel message in its clearest form and sent them out to preach. He chose Paul. And part of that is because there was nobody who was a greater expert in the law than Paul was or was more zealous for the law and the persecution of Christians than Paul was. And so Paul swung the pendulum from legalism and following the law to a T and judgmentalism and anger and fear and all of the things that that created. And he sw God swung the pendulum for him all the way over here to faith alone and grace and walking in the spirit. And so Paul has had such a complete transformation in his life that he can't bear to see the people that he loved and that he invested in and that received the gospel be pulled back over here again. It's not right. And so we're going to see that as we go through. I think it's why God chose Paul. And I think you'll see that love come out in the letter, even though he starts very directly. And that's what we want to see here. That's what we want to see in our lives. Lives that are not built on legalism or rules or all of these uh, pre-qualifications or expectations, but lives that are built on the faith that we've placed in Jesus Christ, in the loving giving of God's word to us to lead us and guide us, and the presence of the Holy Spirit helping us to walk through and understand what God wants from us in our lives. 
and not to be drawn back into legalism and the rules and adding to the gospel, but just to have a simple and clear message that I have been saved because Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and rose again, and I put my faith in him. And you can be saved because Jesus gave his life on the cross and rose on the third day, and you can put your faith in him. And then we walk together. And so that's where we're going to start with this study. And we'll be begin building from there. And so I want to encourage you to be willing as we go through to lay down your assumptions, to lay down your old expectations, and open yourself up not to what I say, not to what your group leader says. Open yourself up to what the scripture says. Be like clay in God's hands. And say, what do you want me to believe? What do you want me to know? Where do you want my faith to be? And what do you want to do in my life? And if we all commit to that together, it's going to be an unbelievable fall. <laughs> all, right. all right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for leading Paul to write this letter, guiding his hand, establishing a firm foundation of the gospel. For these people who were so easily deceived, so many pressures that came in around them and, and they lost sight of what was true. And that broke Paul's heart. And God, it breaks your heart when, we, when you see that happen with us as well. When we get drawn back into those old things, when you have set us free, when you have said very clearly, Christ, you said it directly, you led Paul, you led Peter, you led James, you led John to tell us the same thing. That salvation, being right before you, justified before you, is by faith and faith alone. We don't need to add anything to it. We can't add anything to it. All the glory belongs to you. Because it is your work, not ours. We just accept And so, God, as we recognize that and we, we lay that down as the foundation of our life and our faith and we, we let it cure and we let it settle and we think about how we build, we ask now that, God, you would open our eyes and open our minds, you open our hearts to be transformed, not into the, the thing that exists, not into the ideas that we've been told or have been influenced on us, but open to your truth that we see in your word. God, we ask for the Spirit to guide us into truth, to help us understand what you're saying, to know who we are, how to build our life, and if we're building correctly, what we should see, what should happen as a result. And so, Father, as we prepare to, to, to start into the study of Galatians, we know that you're going to do unbelievable things, and we open ourselves to that. And we want you to know that we trust you, that we love you, that we're looking to be transformed into the image of your Son, and we ask that you continue to do that in our hearts and in our lives. And so we take the whole thing, and we offer it over to you now. This entire teaching, this entire series, every conversation we have, we offer it to you now as a sacrifice of worship and know that you're going to do unbelievable things. We're looking forward to it. 
Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.